Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Welcome to episode 32 of the Liberty Cafe. I'm very blessed to have you here with me today. And we're also very blessed here to have Texas Scorecard as our sponsor. It's a great team to be a part of and to be a part of what they're doing to help bring liberty to Texas. That kind of sounds funny in a way, help bring liberty to Texas. Isn't Texas already the most conservative state out there or one of the best states to live in out there? And in in some ways, you have to admit it is. I was listening to Governor Abbott announce his relaxation or elimination, for the most part, of the COVID restrictions that he placed on the state over the last year. And I was realizing that I should feel grateful for this, grateful that this travesty has come to an end, that I live in the state of Texas, where we're not like New York or California. But I have to admit that was pretty hard as I was listening to him say, if anybody wants a job, they should be able to get it. If any business wants to stay open, they should be able to stay open. Well, that sounds really good, except where's that been for the last year? As businesses have been shut down and as people have been thrown out of work. So while I'm grateful for where we've been, there's always comes that with a tinge of sadness and even despair about where where we're going to in the future. Because it's not clear to me that people in Texas, the leadership of Texas anyway, but, but really the people too, are getting it. They're, they're not getting the problems we've had over the last year and long before that. So that's what I'm here to talk about today. Really, the way I'd like to call it is Texas descending into chaos. Why should I should say that? I mean, Texas is still has one of the best economies in the nation. Employment recovered much better in Texas than it did in other states during this pandemic. So why am I saying that Texas is in the verge or is already descending into chaos? Well, let's go through a few things and let's see if I can convince you of this. It really came to mind as I was looking at House Bill 3. As a matter of fact, when I was listening to Luke Macias talk about this on his podcast with Tony McDonald and Matt Rinaldi, and I had heard about House Bill 3 and, and Figured it had some problems, but I I didn't know how much until I listened to those guys and realized just how bad that was going to get if that bill is passed. So you think about that. So Texas has for a year been thrown into, well, chaos. Businesses shut down, people thrown out of work, people forced to wear a mask wherever they go. Healthy people, healthy people who couldn't possibly infect somebody else, particularly people who already had COVID or people who've gotten the vaccine. I mean, you've already heard the the disingenuity coming from lots of people who have said, oh, well, just because you've got the vaccination doesn't mean that you shouldn't wear a mask. I mean, we we went from, was it two weeks or four weeks to stop the spread, to lower the curve, whatever the words and language were, into even after all these people have had it and recovered, all these other people have the vaccination, yet we still have to wear our mask. None of this just makes sense. And and a lot of this is happening in Texas. So what, what are we supposed to think about all this? Well, as I was thinking about House Bill 3, I was thinking, I mean, this is not just insanity. I, I think it is. 
if you recall the old uh, Alcoholics Anonymous saying, it may have come from other places, but certainly in that, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, Texans have been electing Republicans to lead their office for a long time. Texas have been electing Republicans to lead their state for a long time. 2003 was the last time you had a statewide elected Democratic office holder, Democrat office holder. And, and what have we gotten for it in the state? Well, in some ways, we've gotten some pretty good things out of it. But in a lot of ways, it's just continuing to descend into just this insanity. So all this stuff happens last year. Everybody in the state, not everybody in the state, but a lot of people in the state are upset about it. And then what happens after all that? The Texas legislature, the leadership of the Texas legislature comes up with House Bill 3. And what does it do? It takes everything bad that Greg Abbott has done over the last year and puts it into law, which is pretty interesting because it tells you at least one thing, that a lot of what Greg Abbott was doing over the last year wasn't sanctioned by the law. And so now they need to put it in law to make sure that he can do it again. That's craziness. Of course, the other thing that that doesn't tell you, but it's still true, is just because they put this stuff in the law doesn't mean it's legal because it clearly is in opposition to the Texas Constitution. But we'll talk about that at another time. So here you have the leadership of the Texas House coming up with this bill that just would destroy Texas liberties and put all the insanity of the last year into law. Texas Senate is a little bit better, but there's a lot of this stuff going on over there with, with the COVID response legislation over there. But that's what got me started. But then I started thinking about a lot of other things. And so, for instance, I'm doing some research on the Texas property tax burden on Texans. And as we all know, property taxes have just continued to go up and up and up and up and up. And they're crushing home ownership, just making it almost unaffordable, except for the wealthiest and richest of us. More and more people are having to move out of towns, out to the suburbs, because they can't afford to live in the cities. Property taxes have just gotten too high and driving the cost of ownership and living in cities sky high. Well, in 2019, the Texas legislature came along and spent $5 billion, they told us, on buying down the property tax. Now, they told us it wasn't property tax cuts. It was property tax relief. We're going to cut our property taxes. They're just going to provide some relief. Well, the numbers are out on their property tax relief. And here's what we got. So they spent $5 billion to do this. Now, remember, this is $5 billion, which doesn't include that $5 billion extra they spent on public education. So they spent about $10 billion more on public education in 2019 than they had in 2017. Why would they do that? Well, apparently because some major office holders in the legislature and the state leadership were scared to death that Democrats were going to take over the legislature in 2021, and they figured the best way to buy off suburban voters, maybe some Democrats, was to spend $10 billion or so on on public education, at least $5 billion more on public education. Well, the Democrats didn't take over, but my guess is it wasn't because of all the money they spent. But anyway, the legislature spent $5 billion in 2019 on property tax relief. What did we get for it? Well, if you Look at the 10-year average of property tax increases here. Every year, 
they have gone up 5.86%. What did it go up the last two years under the property tax relief? Well, in 2019, so this would have been December of 2019, the legislature passed its relief in May of 2019, went into effect on the next year's property taxes or that year's property taxes. Property taxes went up that year 5.51% versus the average over 10 years of 5.86%. So remember, it's a 0.35% relief on our property taxes. Pretty good, eh? Well, it's pretty good compared to 2020. We just have those numbers in. Property taxes in 2020 went up by 5.57%, slightly more than that. So total relief over the two-year period was about $600 million. So Texans spent $5 billion to get $600 million property tax relief. That's what I call insanity. Or again, descending into chaos. Why are our Texas leaders continuing to do this? It's not like we haven't tried this before. Uh, Texas legislators and policymakers have attempted to reduce property taxes for years. They've been doing this for a long, long, long time. And every time they have tried it, it it just hasn't worked. It happened back in the days of President Bush when he was still governor here. Uh, Taxes back in 1997, he he raised the homestead exemption by $10,000. What happened to property taxes? They went up $2 billion after that. In 2006, the Texas legislature tried it again. Now, this time, they actually did get a bit of property tax relief. The, The only time they've ever tried this it went down by $400 million. If it had gone up at the same rate it had been going up recently, it probably would have gone up about $3 billion or so. So actually, we got a little over $3 billion of property tax relief. Yeah, but but how much did that cost us? Well, $14 billion. They spent $14 billion more on public education to get us about $3.5 billion of property tax relief. Then back in 2015, they tried it again. Property tax exemption, homestead exemption raise didn't work again. And then we came to the 2019 event. So every time the Texas legislature has tried to give us property tax relief, don't even think about property tax reduction, this is what we've gotten. It just doesn't work. All right, let's think about this and descending into chaos from electing our leadership. So back in 2003, Texas became an officially Republican government. The Texas House, the Texas Senate, and all the statewide elected office holders were Republican. We had uh, about six years of that going on. And, you know, not great, but it was okay. And then you get 11 Republicans who get together with 74 Democrats and elect the Speaker of the House, which means, of course, if you, if you can't do the math there, that Democrats are really in charge of the Texas House, because if the speaker loses his Democrats, he can't stay in office. And so that was Joe Strauss, and he managed to hang on in office for a long time. But the only way he could do that is by keeping the Democrats happy. And so he was driven by the Democratic agenda. Now, it didn't mean that some good things didn't happen during that period of time. There there were actually some pretty significant pro-life victories uh, during that time, but they were only done because the speaker couldn't stop it and stay in office at all because he'd lose total Republican support as well. 
And so he finally gets knocked out because the Republicans come up with this way, conservative Republicans come up with this way of electing the speaker, and he's got to be elected first by the caucus before he can be the official candidate to go before the Texas House. And that basically pushes Strauss out the door. But then we get another speaker who basically is just Strauss-like, maybe a little bit smarter politician, but no more liberal. And what does he do? Well, he puts, for instance, a Democrat in charge of pro-life legislation in the House. What happens with that? Pro-life legislation just dies. So he gets pushed out of office because of a scandal. And then we get a new speaker, the current speaker, Dade Phelan, coming into office. And do you know how he secures his candidacy and his election? Well, because he, he goes outside the Republican caucus rules and goes and gets Democrats. And in particular, he goes and gets several members of the Democrat LTGBQ lobby to sign on and support him. And with that, he's got enough Democrats to put together with a bunch of liberal moderate Republicans to ensure that he's going to be the next speaker of the Texas House. doesn't matter what the Republican caucus wants. He used Democrats to get it. Now, do you really think that if Dave Phelan has gone out of his way to get the Democrat, LGD, LTGBQ, LGTPQ, whatever it is, lobby to support him for his candidacy, that he's going to go out there and take them on, or he's going to go out there and cross them. You can think that he might, but I think it's kind of doubtful that he will. And by the way, he gets elected by 143 to 2 in the Texas House. How does this happen? How, how do Republicans, after they've seen Joe Strauss, go the way he did. And, and after a while, everybody goes, well, if we vote for him, maybe we'll get on the inside. But they didn't get on the inside. Or if they did get on the inside, it's because they became the insiders and they were no longer grassroots conservative Republicans anymore. Same thing happened last go around with Dennis Bonin. And now they're doing the same thing with Dade Phelan. It just isn't going to work yet. We keep doing the same thing. But again, I think it's going beyond insanity and down into chaos. Let's look at another example here. So renewable energy. I've done a lot of renewable energy of late, and I won't repeat that all here. But for years, Texas Republicans and Democrats have been just funneling money at the renewable energy. Billions of dollars. I think my last count is about $19 billion from 2006 through 2020, I believe it was. $19 billion. Some of that's federal, some of that's state, some of that's local. But Texas Republican leaders who've been in charge for most of that period of time have just either strongly supported it, sort of supported it, or at least gone along with it without fussing. And the result has been that tech, that wind energy, for instance, has gone from 3% of the grid to 25% of the grid. Natural gas has has shrunk in its share of the grid. Coal is just disappearing. And so when we really needed electricity a few weeks ago on a very cold Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, what did we have? Well, we didn't have what we needed because half the wind energy was frozen off the grid and the rest of it wasn't producing. I think they were about at 85% of capacity. It was offline for wind. Solar, 
of course, was producing at 0% because it was nighttime. But the grid didn't care whether it was day or night. We needed electricity. So they, they just weren't there producing. And on the other hand, all that capacity, there's about 35,000 megawatts of solar and wind capacity on the Texas grid. If it weren't for all these subsidies that Republicans have been supporting, along with their Democratic friends, most of that capacity, if not more capacity, would have been built as natural gas. And we would have had a lot of that natural gas online Monday night and throughout the freeze when we really needed it. I think if we would have had that natural gas online, we probably would not have had a blackout. I think we would have made it through. And if we would have had any blackouts, they would have been rolling blackouts 30 minutes out, then back on again, because there would have been enough power to stop these these prolonged blackouts that we had and experienced uh, a few weeks ago. So what we have here is Republicans now going out to blame anybody they can. The the chairman of the Public Utility Commission just resigned because of because she felt it was the right thing to do. And you have to applaud her for that. And while the PUC has been complicit in this problem over the years, they're not the ones ultimately responsible. It's the legislature. But instead of the legislature taking responsibility for this, they're pointing fingers at everybody else but themselves. And so the question is, well, where do you turn for sanity in the system? Do you turn, it's not in corporate welfare or in energy policy. It's not in who's going to be running the Texas House. It's not going to be in how to manage the COVID economy or how to manage pandemics. It's just you can't see a path forward where there's going to be responsible leadership in the Texas legislature and in the state of Texas, for that matter. So all that being said, I'm not a long-term pessimist. I really do believe that because Jesus Christ is with us, in this world, ruling over us as king, his Holy Spirit is here guiding us, that sanity and reason and righteousness are going to win out. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be a bumpy road. I don't know what that means for the future of Texas. I'd like to think that maybe Texans will wake up and start sending better people to the state capital to run our government. But that's going to take a lot of change because we all know that Texas is looking a little more blue these days. But whether or not that progresses or not, Republicans are going to have to start sending different people to Austin if we want to see things change. Are we going to do that? Well, let's pray that we will. And let's pray that God moves us all in that direction. But until that time, it may be pretty chaotic around Texas before it gets any better. Thank you once again for being with me today on the Liberty Cafe. And thanks again to our sponsors, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.